Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my sponsor and my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a very special Memorial Day show where we take the entire show and just honor the fallen, honor those who frankly can't hear it. But it's still important for a country to remember them and honor them. It's important for the future generations to hear us honoring them. Joining me now, Javier Mackey. Javier, before we get into Robbie Miller, who are you? Um, so I served with Rob on the Special Forces uh, Operational Detachment uh, for two for two years, and. Uh, I I was his uh, engineer. He was the weapons sergeant, and uh, we served together for about two two and a half years on the on the on our first both of our first team. And um, I retired. You know, I survived the event that Rob gave his life for, but uh, I, got, I went on to deploy several more times after that uh, incident. 
and later retired out of the Army back in 2018 and have been enjoying my life as a civilian since. Who was, before we get to uh, the, that day and the incident and whatnot, tell us, tell us about Rob. Who was this guy? What kind of guy was he? What did he love? What did he hate? What, what what's, did you guys, were you close? Tell us about him. So, all right. So we first met Robbie the day he arrived to the team room. And I, I don't remember, but it was in 2005. I'm not sure which uh, month of the year it was. But we had been prepared prior to his arrival um, that we were going to get a eight. He was part of the 18 X-ray program, which was uh, a recruiting effort that recruited uh, prospective Green Berets off the street. And they had to be like, you know, there's a lot of criteria they had to fit, one of which they had to be 21 years old with some college experience. Uh, Robbie was one of those individuals, and then in 2005, uh, after having gone to basic training, completed airborne school, and all his requirements uh, for getting selected to be a Green Beret and the qual- uh, Special Forces qualifications, he arrived to our team uh, ready to go. And when we met Robbie, so a little backstory to our arrival. We, his arrival into the army is a lot different than ours, than the guys who came ahead of him. How so? Um, so our process of getting into the to, into becoming a Green Beret was a lot different. Uh, we had to first have had at least four years in the army prior to going to selection. Uh, we had to be an E4 or a specialist or a corporal promotable to sergeant before going to the selection process. And then once you were selected, there was no preparation course provided for us. And we, we went to selection. And while we were in the Q course, once you got selected, you go through the Q course. And that's where we started meeting these x-rays. And everybody loved them. Um, because by the time they got to the point where we were at, they were groomed to be, you know, they were, they were groomed and they understood the expectations that got them there. That being said, um, when we got to our teams, you know, we got a little bit of hazing from the guys when, when we got there and it was, it was a little rough for me. I'm going to be a, it was a hard transition for myself. And so, you know how it is when uh, you're the you've got just gone through the gauntlet of being the new guy, and then you get a new guy on the team. You just mm-hmm. wait. To see. <laughs> so we were all waiting to see us younger guys on the team. We were all having gone through everything that we'd gone through. We were waiting to see what would, what's going to be a reaction. You know how are they going to treat? How are the older senior guys going to retreat? The new guys and Robert Robbie was the first um, 18 X-ray to walk through that door, Oof. and when he walked through that door, the senior guys treated him like he had been there for five years and that he had a reputation. Like they loved, and we kind of looked at ourselves like WTF, dude? What the heck? And we looked at this kid, and there's nothing we can do but like him. 
because he came in with this infectious smile. He's a little goofy, mm. but you can he was in shape and he knew his guns. And so <clears throat> I was I was like at first I was a little jealous. Um, mm-hmm. a little bitter because he didn't get the same treatment and same welcome that we came in with. But I was glad that the team had moved on from that mentality and uh, welcomed, you know, the next generation in like, Hey, you know, it was kind of stupid to put these guys through what they, what they went through. And it's time to change that. And so with, with that, Javier. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you real quick. Uh, the 99.99% of the people listening, they aren't Green Berets, and I'm certainly not a Green Beret. How big is a team? What's a team made up of? What's he walking into? All right, so he's walking into uh, each operational team has a captain, all right? Okay. And then after the captain, you have a warrant officer. So the captain's MOS is a uh, – 18 Alpha, and that's the mil- Army's military occupational specialty numbering code for that position. And then the warrant officer is a warrant. Uh, a warrant officer is someone who was an NCO at one point and uh, became a tech- technician, um, a technician of sorts. So he is given the designation of 180 Alpha. Um, and the, the warrant officer is probably one of the more, he's probably the least spoken, uh, spoken about, but probably, but is the, one of the key, um, leaders within a special forces attachment. Why? Um, what makes the warrant officer so important? Again, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. again. We're speaking with no, no, Javier no. Mackey, so, former special forces. He's coming on. He's going to tell us pretty soon about uh, uh, Robbie Miller, Medal of Honor, the earner in uh, Afghanistan. All right, why, why is the warrant officer so important? Warrant officers, like, they break, like, they analyze and break down the scope of the mission and help us understand it better, help the members of the team understand it better. And as with that, the captain, he's the face. He's the face of the team. And he is the one who who's talking to the uh, he's the one leading key leader engagements with the local populace. He's the one uh, selling the missions to his fellow officers, whereas the warrant officer, he's getting in, he's diving into the details of the mission um, as far as the personalities of the guys that we're going after, as far as the terrain analysis. I mean, he's connecting the dots um, of information and serves as a chief of a chief of mission, you know, uh, for the for the captain. So the captain can focus on his work. The team sergeant can focus on his work. And then um, the team sergeant, who's the next important uh, figure on the team, he manages the NCOs, the rest of the team. Um, He is the. He is the glue that keeps the team, the glue and the lubricant that keeps the machine going. Um, he is he works hand in hand with each of the seniors on the team. Um, so he's the, the Zulu uh, is the the highest ranking NCO on the team, and then you have the Bravo. Okay. Um, uh, the rest of the these are just team guys, regular team guys on the team. 
from here Bobby, on out. Hold on. Let me interrupt you again real quick. We have yep. to go to a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with Javier Mackey. He's going to tell us what this hero did in Afghanistan. Give us just one sec. We'll be right back. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I don't want to waste any time here. We have Javier Mackey, Special Forces, on the phone with us right now discussing a hero who gave his life in Afghanistan. He just kind of laid out the situation. What's the team look like? Okay, why do I have a Medal of Honor citation in front of me with this guy's name on it? What did he do? (laughs) Well, Robbie, Robbie, he led an assault. Um... So let me back up a little bit. We, mm-hmm. um, so we were on the night. So some, sometime prior to January 24th, we received a, uh, some information that, um, that there was a, a, um, a high value target in the area that we've been to before and that there's an opportunity we can go capture, um, kill capture this this individual so we started our mission planning and robert miller was the junior um weapon sergeant on the team or the senior weapon sergeant on the team we had two at the time and uh he his 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 sole responsibility is the weapons and training so he while he he spent the lex that whole week part leading up to the mission with along with another or other weapon sergeant uh getting our afghans ready to conduct this mission along with myself i i was the eight i'm the 18 charlie the engineer on the team and my job basically is to get the logistics down making sure we have the vehicles ready to go and come up with any obstacle clearing plans um, that we'll need to uh, to disrupt on along the way. So, come January 24th, we get this mission. Uh, we we done the planning, we done the rehearsals, and we sent our Afghan um, our Afghans away to go do get a little bit of R and R before this time um, before we were about to execute this mission, and we soon. Um, we got the green light to go and the, you know, we, the plan was for us to link up with our Afghans at a place called checkpoint Delta, which was about, I don't know, eight kilometers North of the fire base. We get there, uh, Robbie and the team, we get there and something was kind of off from the get go. Um, there was some confusion. Um, we didn't recognize a lot of the, Afghans that were supposed to be there, but nevertheless, we continue on with the mission. So we hop in our trucks and we continue north, and we get about eight. We get another about four or five kilometers into the valley, and we hit our first obstacle, which was a boulder in the road. And um, then this is important because it was only one road. Um, there's no way there's no getting around this boulder because on one side of the boulder is a mountain and on the other side of the boulder is a river and there's no driving around it. So, um, I was tasked to go blow that boulder up. I blew it up and we continued forward and we got to the switchbacks and the same thing again, approached another border, 
Boulder role some sometime. Javier, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Again, speak with Javier Mackey, Green Bray. He's telling us a story. Is this something that's common? Are you is are, are these boulders in the road? Are you thinking this is done on purpose, or this is just the norm? I mean, it's a road, but beside a mountain. Well, this is definitely new. I, like I, we spent by this point. Rob, myself, and the majority of the team have spent two years in this valley. And we we know the people, we know the patterns, but this was new, totally okay. new. And so we we come across the second boulder and we blew it up. And in between the interdiction of the first boulder and the second boulder, um, we get news from, um, we have some assets available to us that let us know that where the guy that we were going to um where we were going he wasn't no longer there he had moved across the river and he was hunkered down um on the uh east side of the river um, this river runs north and south so we continue on to this little plateau and it's still dark outside um the, it was a it was a very cold night we had the moon hadn't quite the moon hadn't quite uh, crescent over the mountains, so we're still in the in the shadow of the lunar uh, skylight, and we're in this deep valley, and um, we line up our trucks, and we did something that not a lot of people can say that they did during um, in Iraq or in Afghanistan, and has set up an ambush to. Normally, we're getting ambushed, but in this point, we were able to set up an ambush with left and right security, just like you would do in training, and ambush our enemy. And this is a very rare occasion. So we're all, but the only difference is we had a uh, terrain feature, this river, in between us and the people we were ambushing. And once it was confirmed that these guys were walking out, um, we opened up our ambush and we unleashed a uh, hellfire of destruction on these guys that lasted for quite a bit because there was they were still shooting back at us and uh robert miller who was in our second truck he was manning the mark 19 uh, this is an automatic grenade launcher that shoots a 40 millimeter uh mm-hmm. linked grenade and it's, it's a it's about 50 rounds of or 32 rounds of uh, pure hate coming at you if you don't, you know, if you only have one can linked together. But we usually have two or three cans linked in one mortar box. And he was he was getting his gun on on that. And that this firefight goes on for an undetermined amount of time. Um, at the same time, we're we're having. Uh, we have ISR or uh, we have an aircraft on station that's uh, identify is marking targets for us, and we're shooting. And Robbie Miller is pretty much directing fires um, where the uh, ISR would, uh, with an aircraft platform, would uh, indicate where there were troop movement, and he would hit it up with the Mark 19, and we would um, shoot at those at. at at his at his markings um later ceasefire was called yep javier i'm sorry to do it again it's it's sticking radio it's the way it is uh javier Mackey is being good enough to give us some uh, a real a real story about a hero that we lost here on this memorial day 
Uh, we are going to go to another quick break. We're going to be back so he can continue. And I'm, I'm glad you are taking your time and walking us through this so people can understand the situation. He's going to come back and he's going to continue to tell us what this man did, what he sacrificed for this country, for you, for me, for his teammates, mostly, I'm sure. Uh, we'll be right back on The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Memorial Day special to honor the fallen. And I'm going to go right back to him because I know you're on the edge of your seat. I am as well. Javier Mackey, Special Forces, is joining us. He has been telling us uh, leading up to Robert Miller gave his life in Afghanistan. Won a Medal of Honor doing it. We have a citation. I can read it for you, but it doesn't even come close to doing justice to what he did. So I'm going to hand the floor back to Javier. Javier, please continue. You guys just ambushed a bunch of guys, and you're making li- their lives miserable. What? Continue. So the captain calls ceasefire. Each each of the leaders from the trucks consolidate, and it's been decided we have to go conduct a what they call a battle damage assessment. Um, from here on, I'm going to call it just a BDA. What that basically is, we're going to, to identify whether or not we actually killed who we were going after, or we can capture them if they're still alive, and and positively identify if there was no other civilian casualties or damages done. And so this is num- this is normally done to cover our butts, but it's also done to just to reaffirm that we actually did what we are there to do. And so we we have to go north a little bit and we cross a bridge and then we head back south where the ambush, where we ambushed the individuals coming out of the compound where they were. And from what I can tell in the darkness, they had policed up all their bodies and it was really hard to determine how people that we hit. So that being said, just to give a brief description. Uh, so as we're walking south down the rivers now on our right side of our of our patrol and it's and the, the trail starts to open up it's a thin trail it's about a, a meter or so wide and it starts to open up where we have some level terraced uh agricultural rocky um rocky terrain and uh to the right to the left is the mountain so they, they, we have this mountain off to our left gently sloping up into a ridge a finger like a finger-like uh, landmass that protrudes downward. And at the tip of the finger would be a, like a little draw. And at, on the other side of that draw was like a, another finger-like ridge line that comes down going towards the river. At that little intersection where the draw was and those two fingers met was a boulder. And Robbie's up front because he speaks Pashto, he speaks French, he speaks Russian. <laughs> The kid was very, he came to the team knowing multiple languages. And while he was in Afghanistan, he pitched, he uh, learned Dari and Pashtu. And yeah. um, he was the strongest in Dari and Pashtu outside of our interpreters who were also with us. And so he was helping out with hurting the cats of the Afghans that were in the patrol alongside us. So we get to this point where we're crossing this little rocky alcove going towards this where this boulder is and the Afghans who are up front, this is their country, you know, we're, we're putting them up front and they, you know, you hear this Alawa Akbar and the next thing you know, you know, you hear automatic gunfire coming from the boulder towards our direction. 
and our patrol opens up, the Afghans who are with us, they just bug out. They, they're they gone. Oh. They, they run towards the river uh, because there was some uh, cover in that area. And a Marine who was attached to us, he's trying to get them back into the fight. So Robbie is left in the front of this of the formation with myself, Staff Sergeant Nick McGeary, Staff Sergeant uh, uh, Rob Gutierrez, and Irfan, our uh, interpreter, right behind him. And then behind our little formation is the uh, headquarters, like the, the team sergeant, the uh, captain, the warrant officer, our 18 Fox, who's our intelligence NCO, and uh, one other person I can't remember at the time. But anyway, the captain gets hit in his open volley. Now we're in, we're being ambushed. We just walked into a near ambush. And so immediately, Rob, who's up front, where that boulder was, Rob interdicts the guy with the machine gun, and he kills him. And as, now this is in the dark now, and the aircraft that's above has this infrared light that only can be seen in, under our nods. And so they're marking targets that are in our area. And I, they flood, They actually flooded this little draw where Rob was kind of stuck at. And it was nothing but him and Afghan, you know, um, insurgents. Uh. And, and so he's by himself. I'm about, uh, about 50 meters behind him. And we're dealing with our own problems that I'll go into later. At this time, um, Rob is... He's 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 operating the saw, a two four nine. This is a small squad automatic weapon, and it shoots a five five six round belt fed gun. And he had a chopped down version of it, and hmm. he did. He was the only one in our patrol that didn't have a suppressor. So he is he engaged and killed fifteen to twenty five people within a three minute span. Oh. Um, he also. Uh, through numerous hand grenades before he was hit. Um, during his exchange of fire, he was hit in the right, uh, underneath his right armpit. It was a through and through. Uh, the last words he said was break contact, and he was heading towards me. And we, and you know, this is a, this is a mission that we did everything according to our SOP. And everything went down according to our SOP up until up until this happened, and um, and so you know Rob laid down his final uh, burst of gunfire, killing uh, five of the remaining guys in his area, which um, we were still trying to deal with at the same time. So at the same time when Rob got was hit, he said, you know, break contact. What had been going on with us is my captain, he was, like I said, he was the first one in the exchange of fire to get hit, and he was down, and they were about another 50 meters behind our the position where we're at, where uh, Gutierrez and uh, McGeary and I, we were, we were trapped basically in the X, and we were still getting, you know, we were taking Whoa. effective gunfire at less than 25 meters. And um, lucky for us, we didn't have... Uh, we had suppressed M4s, and we were able to uh, 
interdict our targets effectively uh, thanks to um, the ISR platform identifying enemy combatants behind a wall that we're that was like five ten meters away from our area and it was playing whack-a-mole for like 10 minutes and during that time the exchange of fire I was hit I received my first gunshot to the chest and um, I stayed in the fight Uh, it hit my magazine I had we had at the time the army started issuing these steel magazines and I mean I didn't really feel the impact until I went to go grab for a magazine and I couldn't I couldn't use it. I couldn't use it to shoot my weapon. I hear Rob uh, say, break contact. So I, I change mags and I go straight to, you know, I'm suppressing, I'm going to suppressive fires. And he gives this last burst and I do, I, I wait for him to pass me so I can do my automatic burst. And he didn't. And so I look over, I hit my, my floodlight on my rifle to see what was happening and he was down. So I remember getting up and running over to, you know, saying Rob's hit. And I ran up to him to see if, you know, maybe he tripped or whatever. And he, he was on his last breath. And um, I went, quickly went back. I go, and I told the guys, I go, hey, look, Rob is hit. I need you guys to come help me. So McGeary, Rob Gutierrez, and myself ran through gunfire to go back to Robbie to start um, rendering first aid. And Nick McGeary provided covering fire um, during that maneuver. He stayed there with the interpreter, uh, who also provided some security for him. Mind you, we're still we're still in the X. We're still in the kill zone of the uh, fire the of their of the enemy's ambush, and we're doing the best we can to get ourselves out of it. And during this time period, our tact our SOP wasn't really. I, I kind of broke our SOP at this point by going to Rob, which under uh, normal circumstances, we would have left them there until we had gotten the uh, fire superiority and the ability to outmaneuver the enemy and um, then get to them as uh, quick as possible. But I broke protocol on that and went directly to them uh, with the JTAC, which was another big no-no. He's the one guy controlling fires. So under gunfire we we started to uh render first aid to rob and it was at this time where i I realized that rob was dead um it was a through and through i couldn't find the gunshot wound at first when i finally did um it was a chest you know i I applied chest seal to it and from that point on it was there was nothing else i can do i didn't find the exit wound until later and i mean there was nothing i could do about it i've beat myself up over it for years and I've come to accept that nobody would have survived that gunshot wound. And it's important that I continue to tell this story because hopefully both Rob Gutierrez and Nicholas McGeary, um, who are both up for the medal, you know, they've been recommended for the Medal of Honor as well. Um, Their stories need to be told. And um, I'll continue to tell the story as I know it. Rob Gutierrez continued to fight it out while Nick McGarry continued to deal with the... Hold on, hold on, Javier. I'm sorry to do it again, my brother. I, I, I think this is probably a great time. Um, let me let me pause and bring you back uh, again. I just don't want to... I don't want to interrupt this story. I don't want to screw it up. So hang on real quick on the Jesse Kelly Show. We'll be right back so Javier Mackey can finish this up, please. 
It is the Jesse Kelly Show, back again with Javier Mackey telling us the story of Robbie Miller, Medal of Honor earner in Afghanistan, and a couple other Green Braves who were up for the Medal of Honor. Javier, I'm sorry to interrupt. I had to do that again. Please continue, sir. So uh, Rob Gutierrez and ourselves, we're, we're at this point where we have to make some really tough decisions as to movement of Robbie's body and um, figuring out how are we going to complete this mission and so it was determined that rob gutierrez was going to call in some more um he's going to call in some uh aircraft uh strafing runs with the a-10 and they were going to be danger close and in in between the the gun runs we're going to attempt to move rob's body so the aircraft came through they got their cleared hot and you know they rained down their weapon airing on top of us at about it was danger close whatever danger close by definition and the in the air force regs and army regulations we we very well met that uh, criteria and um in between gun runs we attempted to move rob's body and it, we just couldn't do it i mean the rock the, the terrain was rocky uh, between trying to get his weapon and all this other stuff, it, it was just too hard. And then the second gun run came in, and after that gun run came in, and came a hellfire of RPG gunfire and small arms fire from a um, from one of the ridge lines, from a top of Yikes. one of the ridge lines. And so Rob and I, we we interdicted those uh, targets, we suppressed their fires, and by this time, um, the Marine who had been trying to uh, heard the cats with the afghans had reappeared and he was like hey i'm here and we you know i i made the determination i was like all right hey we're going to jump over this there's a wall behind us and we're going to go over this wall we're going to try to communicate to our headquarters guys who are you know a couple hundred meters behind us that what the situation is and see if they can maneuver up to our position what ended up happening was i realized i had gotten shot again and this time it hit the shoot to talk, the, the push to talk to my radio. Um, the only operating radio that we had was the JTACs, and he was controlling he was controlling air with it. The decision was made by Gutierrez that he was going to maneuver with the Marine to a different spot to uh, suppress, to get more casts or you know so close air support um, fires on on. Uh, various aspects of the terrain so that I can maneuver back to the um, CCP and report everything that was going on. Now, mind you, the, we, we still have an element of guys across the river, you know, pulling security, but they couldn't fire because in between, because we, we were positioned in between them and the enemy. So the only people that could actually fire were those who were on the ground. And that was, you know, Gutierrez, um, McGeary, what was uh, Rob Miller, who we had to leave behind, and the Marine and the rest of the team. So I eventually made it back to the CCP, and uh, Nick McGeary, he had made it back. Now, Nick, when, when we went to go fight it out with, uh, to go pull Rob, Nick was pulling security with our interpreter, and Nick was 
um, he had effectively taken out eight guys that were pop, you know, I mentioned the whack-a-mole situation. He, he effectively taken out, um, eight to 12 guys that was behind this wall, but with, uh, by himself, you know, that fighting through (laughs) hand grenades, tossing them back. Um, and we, I like, this is like, we get back to the fire base and he's telling us everything that would happen that happened. Um, and he's clearly shaken up. I, I think I'm the most damaged at this point, you know, after being shot twice. And now I'm seeing my, you know, having Rob die in my arms. And now I'm looking at my captain, my captain is blue and, uh, trying to take it all in. And, uh, so Nick, Nick McGarry, he, he put us in a security posture we Rob Gutierrez secured the area for a medevac, and then on the first bird that came, they put myself and uh, in the and the, in, uh, Captain Cusick on the bird um, because he was injured. Uh, so what happened after that was the uh, Nick McGarry linked up with uh, Rob Gutierrez along with the rest of the team, and they um, organized a counter assault. Um, between the two of them, they used the uh, the cast uh, the the cast from the aircraft, and they're maneuvering on the ground to outmaneuver the outmaneuver the uh, enemy, killing several more, and then uh, being able to recover the body of uh, Rob Miller. Um, so, Javier. Um... Is there anything else, anyone else you want to acknowledge really quickly before we sign off? And I cannot thank you enough for sharing the story of obviously not just, not just Robbie <laughs> Miller of all, of all you heroes. My goodness, man. Is there, is there anyone else needs a quick acknowledgement before we go? Third special forces group, uh, third battalion is where we hail. We, we have, I think right now, see Rob Miller, uh, Matt Williams, Rob, uh, Ron Scherer, you know, we have three solid Medal of Honor recipients and a hand, you know, there's easily a, you know, a couple of other dozen more that I can say that were outstanding heroes for the last 20 years. And we fought side by side for 20 years in Afghanistan without complaining. Um, we loved what we did along the way. We lost a lot of our good friends and, um, you know, it's really hard to talk about. I'm trying to hold it back. But uh, that's what today is. That's what this weekend is all about. It's not about the hamburgers and hot dogs. It's about remembering our buddies and uh, remembering, you know, the values in which our nation is uh, founded on. Amen, and, um, my brother. Amen. Yeah. I just want to tell you that was outstanding. I know that was not easy. Uh, the, the country is better off for having heard his story and the story of all you heroes. Semper Fi, my brother. Simplify. <sighs> Told you it was going to be a heavier, different show. All right, we, we have more on Memorial Day. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse.
Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.